0: Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. Happy New Year from your friends at the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for taking time each week to listen to our sermon podcast. We pray that each message inspires you to draw closer to God. It is just a week after New Year's, so I think I can still say Happy New Year. It is... uh... Seven days later, it's it's that point in time when one of two things have happened. Either we've said, well, that resolution didn't last long. (laughs) Or we said, that's why I don't make resolutions. (laughs) Uh, It's just that uh, time when we say, okay, okay, uh, I I don't know. Maybe uh, I need to be a little more careful about that. Like I've learned I can't make a resolution about not eating sweets. I just can't. My neighbor is a Girl Scout, and any week now, she's going to come knocking on my door, reminding me how good those Thin Mints are. <laughs> and then in February, I'm going to have box, green, bright green boxes that tell me how good snacking is. And so I, I, just, I just can't do it. But, uh, but nonetheless, you know, this idea of a new start, uh, some, a new beginning, is something that often people go into the New Year saying, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, looking back and saying, okay, this is what I accomplished, or this is what I did. I have a lot of people on my Facebook fa- feed who've done things like, this is how many books I've read, or this is what a new skill I learned, or this is what I did, or where I went. And uh, they're hoping the new year will be just as good or better without all the bad stuff of the previous years, right? Like everyone for the last few years has been saying, 2020, 2021, 2022. They can kick that to the curb, right? <laughs> We're done. We're ready for something new, a new start. and uh, And that is kind of... Uh, the hope of what is happening at the beginning of the book of Ezra over the next few weeks we'll look at Ezra we'll look at Nehemiah we'll look at their stories it is is the start of something new of a building of believing that God is doing something new in their life so what has just happened is uh, I told you before there was a period of time which the people of God were put into exile were basically taken away as slaves or second-class citizens in a new land where uh Uh, Jeremiah warned them that this was going to happen, that they were going to have the yoke of iron put around. So sometimes, you know, uh, it is providence when an extra passage of Scripture is read. And so that is precisely what uh, that warning was. Hey, there's going to be a yoke of iron. This is not going to be good. And so uh, there was that, that, that prediction. And then Jeremiah says to them, but I do have a plan for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope in a future, that you're, you're going to be saved from that. When Nebuchadnezzar's gone, you're going to be saved from that. And so that's where we are at in Ezra. Um, when I, I remember as, uh, as a kid, there was a moment when uh, my dad, who was in the military, is, we were moving from North Dakota to um, Wisconsin. And I remember thinking on the, uh, on the drive to Wisconsin, things like, okay, new school, new state. Nobody knows me. You know, uh, I, I'm going from junior high in North Dakota to high school in, uh, in Wisconsin, and it's a whole transition, and everyone wants to forget middle school and pretend that didn't happen, and so there I am, going into high school and thinking to myself, okay, who am I going to be? My thought there wasn't, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to, my thought going was, who am I going to be, because they don't know the old me. They don't know junior high Tim. All the biases, all the thoughts people had, all the mistakes I made, that's all behind me. Fresh start, new start. Who do I want to be? Do I want to be outgoing, big, funny Tim? Do I want to be calm, cool, and just like stay back Tim? Who am I going to be? And I found I myself thinking and, and imagining all this playing out and what that might look like. That Sometimes that idea of a new start or restart can be can be quite appealing, this idea that something new is happening and the eagerness of looking at what that's going to look like. And that's where we're at in Ezra. Now, we're, I'm going to end up focusing primarily on just a few verses from Ezra chapter 3, but I want to share with you uh, some of what's happening leading up to that. And so uh, in Ezra chapter 1 is, is the proclamation you get to go. And so, so it says, uh, King, uh, thus says King Cyrus of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He's charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. And any of those among you who are of his people, may their God be with them, are now permitted to go up to Jerusalem in Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He's the God who is in Jerusalem. Let all the survivors, in whatever place they reside be Assisted by the people of their place with silver and gold with goods and with animals, besides free will offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem, this is a momentous occasion. King Cyrus of the Persians has taken over uh, the Babylonians of whom Nebuchadnezzar was talked about who, who had uh, uh, the yoke of iron he 's taken them over and because he 's taken them over all the different um, uh, a people group that he's taken over are in that land and they're scattered about. And he hears about uh, the Jewish people and that they had a God that they worshipped. And and as a polytheistic king, that is a king that believes in many gods, he thinks to himself, well, we don't have that God. i got to get that God on my side. I, I don't think what he's doing here is, is something particularly... Uh, Holy, although it is, ends up acting in the will of God. And, and definitely this, this, this book is going to praise God for King Cyrus doing this. I think in many ways it's very selfish plans. Oh, let's get this God on my side and, and this will be okay. My kingdom will continue to prosper and everything will be good. It's just, it's just polytheistic political mover, maneuvering. And so he, he is, he's going to let them go to Jerusalem. He's going to let them reestablish themselves. But this is good news. Because it means they no longer have to live as second-class citizens in this new land. They get to go home. They, they, they get to be freed. They, and they get to worship their God again. And this is the God that everywhere else in Scripture says isn't just the God of Jerusalem that King Cyrus called him. He's the God of the whole world. He's the God who opens up the eyes of all the nations. I mean, that's what we just celebrated last week, right? God opening up the eyes of the wise men who came to visit visit Jesus, that he opens up the eyes in whatever ways he will to help point us to his saving plan. And so that's kind of the story that we're at. And they are excited because they get to go back and rebuild and restart and remember who they are. Uh, in Ezra chapter two, it is mostly family ties. If you read that, you're going to see a whole list of names and how many descendants came from each name. And I'm going to spare you that, and um, that's why we didn't, uh, didn't, didn't type up everything. <laughs> and uh, and so, but that passage of scripture, you might read it, go, okay, what's the big spiritual meaning in here? But it's one of those passages of scripture that isn't written for deep spiritual meaning. There are plenty that are for that, but yet in this, it was meaningful nonetheless. Because it is helping them identify with who they are and who God has worked through to get them here. If you've ever gone to like a memorial and you see that list of names, and even if that list of names is from a war from which there are no longer any survivors, and you look at that list of names, you say, Well, I don't know anybody here. I don't know who these are. But if you look at it, sometimes you'll find yourself saying, Wait a minute, do I recognize that last name? I wonder if so-and-so is a descendant of this person or is related to this person. And I wonder if their life is, and how it is, is in part because of this. And, and there's this tie, there's this link where you respect the work and the trials of those who have gone before to help get us to where we are today. And in Ezra chapter two, it functions in a way of saying, all these people who've come, can, or who are coming back, are people who can say, this tribe, this family member, was faithful during the exile. This family member was tied to the people of God from the beginning, and, and we are a part of that and tied to that. There is, there is a, a sense of respect for those who come forward and an identification of who we are as God's people. So there is that accounting there. And then in chapter 3, and I'm going to get to the point that, uh, part where we have on the screen in just a moment, chapter 3, they, they show up at... Um, uh, they show up in, in Judah, and it says, When the seventh month came, the Israelites were in the towns. The people gathered together in Jerusalem. Jeshua, son of Josedach, with his fellow priest. And Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, with his kin, sent out to build an altar of the God of Israel, to burn offerings on it, as prescribed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Zerubbabel is the one who does, who's doing the sacrifices for them. Uh, that name sticks out to me because we have a dog named uh, Shara, and when we're, when we're acting silly, we call her all, you know, we just morph that name to all kinds of stuff. Oftentimes she ends up becoming uh, Cherubable. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but uh, it comes from this name, this guy who is offering to God sacrifices after they show up. So anyway, that's a little bit of an aside. They set up the altar on its foundation because they were in dread of the neighboring peoples. And they offered burnt offerings upon it to the Lord morning and evening. And they kept the festival of booths as prescribed and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the ordinance as required for each day. And after that, the regular burnt offerings and the offerings at the new moon and at all the sacred festivals of the Lord uh, and the offerings of everyone who made a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid so they gave money to the masons, the carpenters, and food and drink and oil to the Sidonians and Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa according to the grant that they had from King Cyrus of Persia. They show up and they are so excited. We made it. We made it back to Jerusalem. We have the funds from King Cyrus to, to, to build the temple. This is awesome. And that's good news too because there's, this new temple is built differently than, than the old temple. I mean, the, the method. King Solomon forgot they came from. And he, uh, he didn't hire the Masons and he didn't hire the people to do that. He just conscripted people. He basically re-enslaved them for this project. He, t- he took an example from the Egyptians and how they built their pyramids and said, we're going to build a temple and I'm doing the same thing the pharaohs did. He just, he forgot the story of God's liberation and freedom from slavery. But here they don't forget that. They come back from the exile and they remember where they've come from. And they have the funds and, and, they, and, they, and they hire people to say, hey, we want to build this temple. This temple that is indeed going to be that lasting kind of example of God who redeems and God who restores and God who liberates his people. And they, and they are celebrating the festival of booths, all kinds of, the festival of booths is basically this. It was, it was a false festival where they remembered God delivering them in the wilderness. And when they were traveling in the wilderness, they had to live in tents or booths. And uh, I, I, it was just a wonderful time of remembering. I found myself thinking through this and go, oh man, the next time I take one of my kids camping in the fall, I did this with Eric, the first week of October, beautiful uh, at Katahdin with, with the fall foliage. Next time I do this, I've got to remember to say, this is an example. Living like this can be an example that God is with us even in seasons when this is all we have. And he will be with you as well. That is the story. That is the, what this Festival of Booths is all about. It's remembering that God was with them when all they had was their tents that they were putting up every night as they traveled to the promised land. And so they're celebrating. Hey, we're here again. God's delivered us again. And they're excited. And they're on this kind of like mountaintop experience. They're, they're singing. They're celebrating. They're worshiping. They're having fun. It is, it's going great. And it's awesome. But they look around and they say, this celebration is going to come to an end soon. So like, we've got to get back to work. We've got to get on with our lives. We've got we to start working on the land. We've got to rebuild our homes. We've got to get back to living. Like, it's, it's not just partying this whole time. And they realize for this, when we come down the mountain, it's not just this high, great celebration time. When life starts to get hard, we're going to need a foundation to remember the God who is still with us during those times. We're going to need a foundation to remember the God who is with us even when we're not just in this moment of celebration. The foundations are so important for helping define who we are. I'm so glad that when my family finally moved to Wisconsin and August came and now it's the school year and this is basically New Year's in August for me, right? I get to, get to be a new person. I remember the day before I went to school, I found myself as I kept imagining how... All the different ways the scenarios would play out for, like, uh, you know, in my grand daydream imagination of the various caricatures I might be, the personas I might take on, I found myself saying, It's not going to last. <laughs> Someday I'm going to come home, my mom's going to go, What has gotten into you? <laughs> like, whoever I am, people are going to realize it's a facade because. That's not who I am. And one thing I don't want people to think is I'm a fraud or I'm a fake or, or I'm just someone putting on a show because I don't have the foundation for any of those caricatures. I don't have the foundation for any of those personas. I can't be that person for very long or without people realizing, who is this guy? And so I didn't. I just went in as myself and was like, okay, whatever happens, happens. And, and I think a lot of times when we go into a new year, We look at somebody else and what they're doing or how they're living life. Oh man, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great? That's my resolution. But we haven't laid the foundation yet. We haven't done any setup. We just kind of made a decision and went with it. And I think what I would like for us to do kind of uh, over these next few weeks is ask ourselves, what are some ways in which we would like our relationship with God, our faith, to grow stronger? To be built up. Now now I want to say this. Now I say this with fully understanding that theologically we know God is infinite, God is greater than God God is so holy. I mean, that's that's a testimony of scripture, is is our construct of recognizing we we don't measure up, or as we say, don't deserve it, uh, but yet God still is merciful to us. Like that's that's a part of the whole story of Scripture. But the story of Christmas is God said, That's okay, I'll come to you. And so when I ask that question, how might we look at this going into this new year saying, how do I get closer to God? Or how do, I, how do I listen and allow God to work in me more? How do I do that? I do this saying, knowing full well, every single year because of the nature of who God is, we, sh- we could easily look back go, not as close to God as I could be. And it could be a moment of despair. But by definition, by theological definition, we're always going to be just a little bit shy. A lot of bit shy, And so like, like, that's just how it is, and that's okay. I, I say this to say, what are the foundations of faith we can make so that God can surprise us by how he draws near and how we re- are able to respond to the grace that he gives us? What are the foundations of faith that we might put in? Where might we be able to say, I think I can continue to put God first here in this area of my life, or maybe I can put him first here in this area of life today? Maybe I can find myself listening more whenever I'm opening up the scripture. Or maybe I can commit myself to listening more when when I'm praying. Or or maybe uh, committing myself to being in a place of worship where I can receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe we find ourselves looking, what are the foundations I can lay to see how God might work and speak? Instead of maybe creating an imaginary target and then saying, well, I'm not there yet. Oh, so much for that. But this passage is a passage about... Foundations. Let's go to that. Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Here we are. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, according to the direction of King David of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Towards Israel, And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites, heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy. So the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. They recognize, hey, we need a foundation. This patch, they finally work on it. When the foundation is laid, everyone knows something is happening. When you go to a site or if you pass a construction site, when the foundation is laid, now people are starting to ask, okay, what's going up? What's happening? Even before the framework is up, people are wondering, okay, what, what's happening here? And so the foundation is the beginning to see, okay... What's God going to do? Can we lay a foundation of saying, okay, I'm going to put God first in my life, and let's see what God does from here. And that is sometimes difficult. Sometimes there is mourning in that, as happens in this passage of Scripture. There are people who are mourning as well as people who are praising God in this. And that's okay. Sometimes we're saddened. By what is lost when I was a kid? I'm gonna use a baseball analogy. I, I, I've always been my mom raised me as a Milwaukee Brewers fan, that's where my family's from. That's, that's who I am. My very first Brewers game was in County Stadium, that's the stadium they had first. That's uh, and uh. And that stadium I went to, my first game was, was with the Red Sox, so I can talk about them today as well. Uh, the Red Sox played the Brewers, uh, Roger Clemens pitched a no-hit shutout, and I had no clue how important that was, uh, but I was like, oh, wow, okay, my team lost. But I came to respect that later on and uh, understand that, but that was, that's my first memory of game. And I, I still remember how easy it was to walk into the bleacher section of County Stadium, how easy it was when I got bored to walk around. the the whole stadium and see everything that was happening and it was like I have memories of going there with my cousins and and that's there but I can never relive that memory because they tore down that stadium if I ever want to see county stadium again I have to turn on major league because it was recorded there that's like that's like the only chance I get to see county stadium because uh, now they built Miller Park, the new fancy retractable roof, and it's, it is indeed a better stadium, a whole lot better. But, you know, I can't have that memory. And, and without that, when there's a change, a new building like that, there's a moment of going, oh, I missed that. Oh, that hurts. And there's sometimes weeping in that loss, and, and that's okay, even in the face of celebration. One of the things I like about this passage of Scripture is it mentions, yeah, there are people who remembered the old temple and they mourned. And one of the things I like is is it doesn't critique them for mourning. It doesn't say, oh, they just couldn't get on board. (laughs) They couldn't just do the new thing they were supposed to do. And I think sometimes in the church, leaders have given people a hard time for not moving forward fast or getting on board with whatever the new thing is that they're doing. But in here, the passage just recognizes the mourning blends with and works with the praises. And that in some way, that the mourning and the praising blend together in a way that it's hardly distinguishable, and it it coexists together. And that's okay. And it still works out. Like, the people of God can remember where they came from and what used to be, but also celebrate that God is still working and doing a new thing. That in our life, it is not always kind of that mountaintop experience, but there are moments where we can recognize that God is still working when things are a little shaky. It's those moments when, 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 when you're in a sad moment and there's tears, but someone says something that's kind of funny and you still find yourself laughing. Or someone tells someone someone's telling a joke and you're just laughing, having a good time with them, but then a little tear comes to your eye because you're like, oh man, there's some truth in that. You know, like, like like there's those moments where you're like those that juxtaposition just just they go together so well because that's just life. Right? Things aren't always clear-cut. Here was bad, now here's good. (laughs) Just don't worry, there's always transitions of movement and looking at, okay, how is God leading us from point A to point B and how is he with us through that? And this is, all right, that's a part of what happens even in laying the foundation of what God's going to do, recognizing that there's going to be great things and there's going to be mournful moments as well. Moments where we say, okay, maybe I have to give something up in order to lay the foundation of being able to listen to what God wants to do in my life. In moments where we say, okay, maybe i got to build something new. Maybe I have to create a new habit or new practice and really just allow God to, to speak through that. And so uh, this, is, this is a great passage reminding us that God is faithful even when the feelings are back and forth. In, in moments where we say, okay, God, are, are you still here? What, what, what's happening here? And that sense of longing can, can, can sometimes produce uh, a desire for God to do what He had done before yet again, and in some ways, that's what the Festival of Booths is all about. It is uh, it is remembering that God is with us in those transition, in those wilderness moments, those desert moments, and so they celebrate their faith in remembering those difficult transitions. And I think what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to spend some time talking about how we. Uh, continue to make ourselves available to the God who is building us up, who is indeed coming into our life where we are and saying, I am with you, and us opening ourselves up to what God is going to build and what God is going to do. And that is the celebration of what is happening in this script. They're just building the foundation and getting excited, knowing that this is a testimony, that his love indeed endures forever. And we are going to be open to what God is going to continue to do among them. And my hope going into this new year is that's what we're going to do too. Okay, God, I, I, I'm not going to be someone who just, who, who just makes up a grand plan who's, who, that, that might fall apart. I mean, it's okay to come up with plans and ideas and say, okay, this is a practice I want to do. But to say, if nothing else, what I want to just do is put myself in a spot, where I'm opening myself to listening and hearing and allowing God to work and what he might do. I wonder if we might find ways in which we might open ourselves up to what God wants to do in our life this year. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that um, you are the God who desires to be near to us, who loves us and says, you're my people. I've created you. Loved you. I'm always going to be with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that the love, concern, and constant fidelity you had to your people Israel is real. something that has indeed been opened up to all people. That's what we celebrated last week. And because of that, your grace and your love and your commitment comes to each one of us exactly where we are. And so, Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that you would help us to just say, God, I want to let you do the work. Lord, help us to, to put you first. Help us, Heavenly Father, to, to say, I, I want to commit to listening to you in whatever practice, whatever faith uh, activity I'm engaged in. Whether that's a, a reading through, through, whether that's, uh, through a plan of reading Scripture whether that's just a plan of, uh, of focusing in prayer, whether that is uh, uh, coming to worship with, with a mindset and a heart of, I just want to be open to what the Spirit of God's going to do. Heavenly Father, Today's to this day, the beginning of this year, is, is not about creating a, a grandiose resolution. It's just about saying, Lord, here I am again saying, I hope I can look back and say, I've grown closer And I've seen you working and doing new things. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for that work. And I hope that as we continue to look through your scripture, that we would see that you are indeed the God who's all about building us up, all about helping us become the disciples you've called us to be. And so we pray indeed that you continue to direct us to your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to live lives that reflect who he is and who he has called us to be as people who love you and love one another. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you as you serve Him today.